Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Josh Barnett. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to be reading from the parable of the vineyard workers tonight. Paul was making fun of me earlier today. <laughs> no, he wasn't. I just felt bad for him last week because he had to cover like eight parables in one night. <laughs> and he said, man, Tim gave you all the easy ones. <laughs> I just got to cover one of them tonight, but he had to cover a whole bunch last week. So yeah, it was good. That was so good. But I told him, I mean, you stay in that stuff long enough. And most of those parables could all been individual sermons. Um, it was really, really, really good. But I'm excited about tonight. Let's look at verse one here. We're going to read the parable and then I'm going to teach on it. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in this scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. As we start tonight, as we look at this parable, the owner in this parable of the vineyard is the Lord and the workers are us. The workers are the believers. And I want to point out, as we've been saying over and over again, is that the parables that Jesus taught, he's showing us the way that the kingdom operates, that heaven on earth is supposed to operate and how we as believers are to live in heaven on earth. Our focus in life on this earth is to daily bring God's will and establish, establish it here. It's, it's the most important thing that we do. It's paramount to the believer. And in these parables, <clears throat> in these parables, people are working. <laughs> they are doers. They're not sitting around doing nothing. And all billboards around here, they all say doers of the word. James says, don't be hearers only and deceive yourself, but be doers of the word. And so God doesn't, God doesn't call us, he doesn't save us for nothing. He saves us for something. We are saved not by good works, but we are saved for good works. And here, he's showing us that it's important that we work, that we're not sitting around. But, but it's important that I want you to know tonight, if, if God has placed a dream or a purpose or a calling or something on your life that you believe that you're supposed to do, even while you're waiting, you're not waiting. Because Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. And so even while you're waiting on the dream to come true, understand that waiting is a verb doesn't mean sitting idly by and doing nothing. 
But in this parable, we see the vineyard owner, he goes out early to find workers. Now, at this time, the Jewish workday seems to be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And that's so he goes early and then he obviously goes out throughout the day here. Um, But but I want you to know that, that, that God is looking for people to do his will. He's looking for those that Corinthians describes can co-labor with him. Like his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there's, it's still a yoke. Paul says that there, like there's a race to run. And, and again, the, that doesn't save us, but that's what we're saved into. We're saved into building the kingdom. And it's not like, a, bedru- uh, like a, a, a thing that we begrudge him for. It's a thing that we get to do that we're excited about doing. Now, God put man in the garden to work the garden. And so many people look down on work, but I want you to understand work is pre-fall. God commissioned man to tend and keep and be fruitful and multiply before man sinned. So work was not a result of the fall. There was a curse put on work because of the fall. And I believe that that curse has has been redeemed. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, even a lazy man wouldn't enjoy Eden itself. Hmm. (laughs) We're designed to build, to create, to multiply, to work. 2 Corinthians 3.10 says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Work not, only brings, not, work not only brings satisfaction, but it also keeps us out of trouble, right? I, being idle is dangerous. <laughs> the idle man is a dangerous man. The landowner comes in this parable and asks these men, why are you not working? That's a valid question. That's a good question that we need to ask people today is why are you not working? Why are you idle? Why don't you have a job? <laughs> why are you not doing the, it's something that we can even ask believers. Why are you not doing the word? Why are you not building the kingdom? Why, what are you, and, and something we need to understand is like, and, and we've looked at even in the parable of the talents, when God returns, like, he's, he's returning for faithful servants. Not those who have buried their gifts and their talents and their callings in the ground because they were afraid, but ones that actually took what he gave them and did something with it. What are you doing with what God has given you? So, as we start tonight, work is important. <laughs> get a job. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen, brother. Get a job. (laughs) But I want to look at their answer tonight because I, as I was studying this, um, this past week, there was something that just, it it caused a shift to happen in, in in the way that I, that I saw this parable. In verse seven, their answer is fascinating to me. They replied, because no one has hired us. No one has hired us. And, and as, as we think about this parable tonight, I don't want you to see the, the men that he's coming to hire as lazy men, but they were actually desperate men. This answer right here, because no one has hired us, shows us that they were looking for work. They were looking for someone to hire them. They were in the marketplace. They were not sitting sitting idly by at their house on their porch because they were looking for work. They hadn't been hired. There was no work. They weren't at home. And I, and I want this to change our perspective tonight <clears throat> because I, you know, I think about this and I, I think about um, a generation that's floundering before our eyes that has, they've literally created problems that they're trying to solve. Because, maybe, because it, 
there might have, the generation before them didn't give them any battles to fight. So oftentimes I think we, we point the finger at the next generation instead of looking in the mirror. <laughs> Maybe what a generation needs is a group of fathers that will come along and challenge them to get to work. Maybe, maybe we settled for f- trying to get them to have good behavior instead of showing them the kingdom is at hand. He, God wants you to do way more than act better. He actually wants you to cast out demons and he wants you to heal the sick and he wants you to bring freedoms to whole regions. He doesn't want you to just act better. Maybe a generation needs a group of fathers that will come along and challenge them to work a landowner, a business owner, a kingdom man that will come along and give them something to do, a kingdom man that will come along and teach them about the kingdom that will start them on the greatest adventure of their life. <laughs> following Jesus is so much better than just following rules. It's an, every day is an adventure. It's an incredible time. He's got things that he wants us to do every single day. God actually wants to communicate with us every single day. He actually wants, he wants to use us, like this is humbling, that he wants to use us as a vessel to build his kingdom in the world. He, wants to sh- he chooses us to shine through. Come on. <laughs> and that's one thing that I love about our ministry and our church is we're not going to sit by and let the next generation waste their day. We're actually going to go into the city and get them into the fields. He was not finding lazy men, but he was finding searching, desperate men. They were not street corner idlers, but they were day labor workers waiting to be hired. They would have been low class men, and, and even some of them probably wished that they were slaves because in this time, slaves were extensions of the family. And even though they may not have gotten a weekly paycheck, they were brought into the home or they were given a roof over their head and food. And even if they had a family, their families were taken care of. And so these men were even more desperate. They were more desperate to work so they could put food on the table than maybe even a slave was to be free at this time. These were desperate men. They were, they were dependent on being hired. They were trying to find answers, trying to feed their families. And interesting that they waited around until the last hour of the day because something is better than nothing. <laughs> something is better than nothing. And I, and I, you know, I want to say that too. It's like I've heard people say, well, like, well, I won't roll out of bed for less than $15 an hour. Well, then stay in your bed. Because there's opportunity in $15 an hour. And if you resent $15 an hour, $1,500 an hour will never be enough for you. I'll bless you with that. That was free. <laughs> in this marketplace, these men were standing around waiting because no one had hired them. In compassion, the master came and gave them work to do. He could not bear to see them idle. He could not bear to see them idle. And, it, and, it, and it's at the last, like the 11th hour of the day, the last part of the day when they're like, you're not going to make very much. And even the owner would know like, man, I thinking as an owner, like, why would I hire somebody to come work for just one hour? You're not going to get a whole lot done in just one hour. Like I need you all day long. But this master couldn't, this, this land owner, vineyard owner could not bear to see these men get nothing for a full day. He was not only thinking about these men, he was thinking about their families. He was thinking about their children. He was thinking about how desperate they were. And so he said, like, go, like, come into my field. <laughs> and listen, I want to let you know this morning, like, if you're, if you are waiting for breakthrough, stay. Don't go home. 
Because these men could have easily, well, it's three o'clock. I might as well go home. I didn't get hired this morning, so nothing's coming. Man, stay. If you're waiting for breakthrough, stay. <laughs> stay, stay where you see God moving. Stay where you see others are getting breakthrough. Hang out with others who are experiencing healing, even when you're not, you haven't experienced healing. <laughs> you want to speak in tongues? Hang around people that speak in tongues. <laughs> hang around those who prophesy. You need financial breakthrough, hang out with somebody else that has experienced financial breakthrough. If you want wisdom, hang out with those who are wise. Stay around those who have it. Stay around until God comes and gives it to you. These men would have seen the vineyard owner coming into the marketplace and hiring these other men. They could have given up and left, but they held on to hope. They held on to maybe he'll come back again. Maybe he'll come back again. Maybe he'll come back and pick me. You've got to hang on to that. It was like, I've seen them, I, I've seen him move in that person's life, so I know that he can move in my life. And so I'm going to stay until he moves. <laughs> I'm going to stay until he moves. I, I, I think about Thomas. I think about, I think oftentimes people call him Doubting Thomas, even though I think that's silly because he, he wasn't doubting when they were pulling him apart with horses. <laughs> He, was no, he wasn't doubting then, <laughs> but people call him doubting Thomas. He, wasn't, he, he, he got redeemed from that. He might have been skeptical. Thomas, I don't even think Thomas believed the disciples at all. He wasn't doubting. It wasn't doubt. There was an unbelief there, complete unbelief. But do you know where Thomas was? In the room. He didn't say, forget you crazy guys, I'm out. Thomas was in the room. Thomas was in the room. How long have you been leaving for healing and maybe you've given up on it? I want to encourage you, stay in the room. Stay in the room. Because when Thomas stayed, he got exactly what he asked for. I'm not going to believe until I can touch his wounds. And you know what Jesus did when he walked through the walls? I can't believe you, Thomas. No. Like, he didn't rebuke him. Thomas, you should have listened to the word of your brothers. You should have had faith, Thomas. He didn't do that. Put your hand here, Thomas. Here's my side. Put your hand here, Thomas. Thomas was in the room. He walked right over and gave him what he was asking for. And you know, it's wild. Thomas is the only one that referred to Jesus as God. He was the only one that directly referred to Jesus as God. After he touched him, he fell on his knees and he said, you are my Lord and my God. Lots of people referred to Jesus as Lord, but he was the first one we have in the gospels that referred to him as God. <laughs> come on <laughs> Romans ten twenty five says don't forsake the assembling together with one another the other 10 could have callously been indifferent towards him and said well you should have been here Thomas but they didn't treat him that way Thomas was still invited in he was in the room stay he's coming listen don't come to church out of obligation come out of expectation if you come out of obligation, don't expect to receive anything. <laughs> come, out, come with expectation. I, I was, uh, I've been telling a few people recently, like, like it drives me crazy if I miss a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Like I've got, uh, I think the kids call it FOMO. Is that what it's called? Is that right, Colton? FOMO. Fear of missing out. That's what it is. <laughs> Fear of missing out. I can't stand to miss a Sunday or a Wednesday night here because I can't wait to see how God is going to move every Sunday and Wednesday. 
I can't wait to see the healing that's going to take place. I can't wait to see somebody get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to hear what Paul's going to preach. I can't wait to hear what Tim is going to preach. I can't wait to see KK up here doing her high knees and singing some prophetic song that we've never heard before. I can't wait to see Lucas shake his hair like he always shakes it every Sunday. I can't wait to, to, to feel the glory of God that comes in the room. There's no way I can sleep in. There's no way I can miss out. Because where two or more are gathered, he's there among them. Well, I got better things to do. Well, I'm tired this morning. Well, I could be golfing or I could be fishing, I could be whatever. Well, you're going to miss out on a move of God. Get in the room. Listen, and I know you can have incredible, amazing time in your secret place, and I think that's an important, but that's not the church. Your closet is not church. The golf course is not church. Your fishing boat is not church. Your bed is not church. Your home is not church. The church is when people gather. It's like when we come together, don't forsake the assembling of one with another. And that's not a legalistic thing. That's a man I get to. This is family. This is family. When I, like, I don't look at this as like I'm standing on the stage. I look at this as I'm standing at the end of the table and I've been commissioned to share a word with those who are sitting at the table and everybody is invited to come and eat tonight. Are you tracking with me? Come on. This is good preaching right here. I had a caramel latte and I'm feeling it right now. You miss espresso and the Holy Ghost and you will fly right off this stage. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Scripture says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth looking for those that he can give strength to. But it says he gives strength to those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for a people like Isaiah that would say, here I am, Lord. And you can't say, here I am, if you don't come into the room. These men couldn't say, here I am, if they didn't stay. 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 This parable, this parable is is teaching us that God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace. It's a kingdom of grace. This parable teaches us that God doesn't save people by what they do, but rather by his grace. (laughs) So don't think too highly of yourself because you've been doing more acting better because our salvation is not based on our works. It's based on his grace. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of grace. God's not fair. He's not fair. And I'm so glad that he's not fair because if I got what I deserved and you got what you deserved, Man, I deserve, I deserve to be eternally separated from him. But not on his watch. Entrance into his kingdom is by his grace alone. The vineyard owner hires all the workers and he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, but he does. Jesus clarifies by this parable that we become members, we become believers, we become saved through his grace alone. And it's not the work that gets us in. It's him coming to find us. We're not saved by good works. We're saved unto good works. It's Ephesians chapter two. We're saved by grace alone through faith alone. And we're saved by goods. We're saved by his good works. And and man, I love. So it's so fascinating how he does this because he hires all these people. And, 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 and then you think like, I'm going to, So in my mind, as a leader, I'm thinking, if I'm going to show extreme kindness and goodness, I'm going to pay the guys who have been working all day first, right? 
So if I want to bless somebody else, like they're not going to, so the, the, the guys that I hired first, they'll take their paycheck and they'll roll out and they won't know how much I paid the guys that only worked for an hour. But that is not the way that Jesus does it. <laughs> it's pay time. Hey, get the guys that were here only for an hour. And then he pays them the full day's wage. And so the guys in the back are like, man, this dude is loaded. I'm about to get me like five days worth of like pay right here for one day. And that's, <laughs> that's not what happens. And there's this, there, after he does that and they argue or whatever, there's this fascinating line that I want to, I want to hone in on just a little bit. It's verse 15 in, in the NLT. It says, should you be jealous because I am kind to others? But in other translations, I like the way that it words it better. It says, is your eye evil because I'm good? Is your eye evil because I'm good? (laughs) See, (laughs) it's always a great revealer of, of where our hearts are at when God gives somebody else a bigger blessing than he gave us. Or if they get a blessing first. Hmm? Can we be real this morning? Not this morning. This is Wednesday night. Can we be real tonight? I'm used to preaching on Sunday. (laughs) Listen, as believers, we should want people to encounter the grace and love of God because we've tasted and seen how good it is. It's not so that they will think just like us or behave just like us or dress like, just like us. It's because we want them to experience his kindness, his love, his mercy, because we are free and we want other people to experience the same freedom. This is a strong teaching about grace. This is a strong teaching about God's generosity because Jesus wants us to know it doesn't matter if you got saved in the sixth hour or if you got saved in the 11th hour. It's all grace. It's all grace. And listen, the, the, the way that we have to view it is if you got saved in the sixth hour, like you, you got saved when you were a kid, you've been following God your whole life, and then somebody else that you say, they've been a dirty, rotten heathen, and they, just got, and they just got saved, and Lord, you're already giving them that, and they're already experiencing that, and they're already, but I've been good. It's showing the envy and the jealousy on the inside of our hearts. It, it, it's the spirit, what it is is the spirit of religion. Because what happens is we get trained by a merit system that says if you do these things, then you get rewarded. And I'm not against a merit system, but that's not the way that the kingdom of God operates. Because if, it was, if that was the case, then we are saved by good works. But we are simply saved by his grace alone. And so Jesus is showing us we have to rejoice when they get saved in the 11th hour. We have to rejoice when that person comes to know the Lord, when they get the big blessing that you wish that you, that you, wish you could have gotten. <laughs> and and what, better, what better story to represent the grace of God than the criminal who hung next to Jesus? You talk about getting saved in the 11th hour. It was like the, like the 11th hour of the 11th hour. Like my guy's about to die, right? And he looks at him like this, that proves that we are not saved by works because this guy says like, like one criminal says like, if you're God, like come down off that cross and save us too. And the other guy says like, we deserve to be here. He doesn't, he was a good man. And he looks at Jesus and he says, remember me. And Jesus looks back at him and says, you'll be with me in paradise today. Probably dirty, rotten, sinning scoundrel. And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise today. That dude didn't do one good thing his whole, maybe his whole life. It's by grace alone. And we, we have to rejoice in that because we didn't get what we deserved either. <laughs> come on, come on.
Do we resent God's gracious acceptance of the despised, the outcasts, the sinners who have turned to him to receive forgiveness? We should rejoice. I taught on Luke 15 a few weeks ago, the prodigal son. We have got to be sure that we do not have the spirit of the older brother. We don't get to claim special honor or position because we've been following Christ longer than someone else. No matter when they come in, every man and woman is a precious child of precious child to God of equal value. Just because you've been a member of a church longer doesn't mean that it, like if you've been a member of this church longer than somebody else that gets saved and comes in here, this church doesn't belong to you any more than it belongs to them. Give you an easy example. My, my oldest son, Micah, turned nine years old today. My youngest son, Ezra, just turned two a couple weeks ago. Micah is not more a part of my family because he is nine and Ezra is two. You are not more a part of this family because you've been here for 30 years than someone who has been here for two years. That's such an entitled way to think, but it's the way that we've been trained by our society and by the world to think. Come on, Paul's with me tonight. (laughs) The new believer has just as much access to God as the one who's been saved for 30 years. That's how good the kingdom is is you have just as much access to joy if you got saved yesterday and I've been saved for 15 years. You have just as much access to peace. The inheritance is by grace alone. It's by grace alone. You don't earn more from him by long-standing good behavior. <laughs> and if, 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 it, if that makes us mad or makes us jealous, it's because we're viewing him based on the merit system, but the kingdom operates on the grace system. <laughs> and these, like, these men, like, they, I mean, if I put myself in their shoes, like, I feel the same way. It's not, that's not just. <laughs> they worked fewer hours. They should be paid less. <laughs> but we've all been given so much more than we deserve. We've all been given so much more. This was an injustice to them. This, but this is God showing his goodness, and he's showing that his goodness is always a stumbling block to those who are bound in the spirit of religion. It's always a stum- the, the The grace that the father showed the prodigal son was a stumbling block to the older brother. <laughs> they saw his reward for someone, <clears throat> for someone who gave less as an injustice. This parable is about how the kingdom of God operates and the kingdom of God does not operate on seniority. It doesn't operate on entitlement. It operates on generosity. It operates on mercy and it operates on goodness. If you want your heart to be revealed, just let God give someone, someone something bigger or faster than you received it. His question, is your eye evil because of my goodness? The way, and when he's saying eye, he's not talking about literal eye. He's talking about your mind's eye. He's talking about the way that you see life completely. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Is your heart evil because he's good? Are we jealous for justice? Are we jealous for fairness? Do you have a jealous eye because of the grace and goodness of God? I think it's, it's easy, it's so easy to fall in, and I've been here before too. It's, it's so easy to fall into the spirit of religion where you want people to get what they deserve. I'll be real. There are some people that I think deserve to go to hell. There, and by God, I want the bumper sticker that says, that says uh, 
I'm not the judge, but I'm going to arrange the meeting. <laughs> like, there are some bad, horrible people in the world that I think deserve hell. And I fall into the spirit of religion where I think, not me. Do you want, and I think maybe this is a good question for us all to ask ourselves, do we want heaven to be populated or do we want hell to be populated? Because I think it's easy to slip into a place where we think the, it's the world and what they're doing. And by God, those politicians in Washington. Right? I want to throw up a big old finger to them and not tell them they're number one. I know y'all don't think those thoughts. I know y'all are, y'all are so holy. Just me, just your pastor. <laughs> but what does God want? I'll show you what God wants, 2 Peter 3, 9. It's not his will that any should perish. That's why he's patient and long-suffering. It's not his will that any should perish. And it's easy to think thoughts like, well, at least I'm not like them. I worked hard. I did good things. I went to church. I read my Bible. Good Lord, I fasted once a week for 40 years. I obeyed the Ten Commandments to a T. Those sinners can't get what I got. And yet Jesus sees it so differently. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He leaves the 99 to find the one. John chapter 8. He steps in between the accusers, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the adulterous woman. And he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And they all leave one by one. And he, and he looks at this lady and he said, where are your accusers? Where are those that condemn you? And she said, I don't see any. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And listen, what empowers her to go and sin no more is not judgment, it's mercy. You hear me? What, James 2 tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. What empowers all of us to go and sin no more is mercy, is kindness, is the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance, not judgment. Hmm. Come on. It's the scandalous love, mercy, and grace of God that empowers righteous living. It's the goodness and kindness of God that leadeth men into repentance. And listen, I love Mike Bickle, pastor of IHOP and KC. One of the most profound things I ever heard him say is that all of God's judgments are aimed at whatever interferes with his love. The reason, the reason that God hates sin is because he loves you. The reason that he hates sin is because sin is seeking to destroy you. And what he did with that, with that woman in that moment was show her what he thought about her, who she really was, that that was not the lifestyle what he had created her for. The, 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 the first definition in the strongest concordance of righteousness is actually not right standing with God. It's becoming who you were ought to be. Come on. God leads us in... I get that we get legal right standing with God. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. And listen, just to clear some things up, because people are going to say some crazy things about me, and you'll send me an email, and I won't read it. But, um, <laughs> or you'll, you'll call my phone, and I won't answer. Just ask Nathan. I never answer his phone calls. Um, <laughs> I, I believe that there is a hell. Like we, we hold, Our church holds to that truth, that there, is a, that there is a hell, that there is eternal punishment. But I also believe that it wasn't created for us. It was created for the devil and his demons. And that God does not want to send his children there. He actually wants to save them. For God so loved the world. Come on. 
For God so loved the world. See, God is the God of mercy and grace and righteousness and justice, and he's the one that gets to define them. He's the one that gets to define them. Anytime you want to judge someone and believe that they're worthy of going to hell, just think, what if that were your child? What if that were your child? What if your child was the one that was committing reprehensible behavior? What would you want to do? Would you want to pick up rocks and stone them? Or would you want to run down the road and cover them with kisses? See, it's mercy that triumphs over judgment. It's the kindness of God that leadeth men's hearts to himself. Not the judgment of God. The kingdom is about forgiveness, man. And how can I not forgive when the only one justified in not forgiving forgave me? How can I not forgive when the only one justified in not forgiving forgave me? Are we willing to see people the way that he sees them? He is not the older brother. He is not the jealous vineyard worker. Can we see the Paul in Saul? Think about that. Can we see the Paul in Saul? You think about the New Testament church and they welcomed Paul in after he oversaw the killing of their brother in Christ. Dude was murderer. He, and he didn't murder just anybody. He murdered their close, faithful brother in Christ. And they welcomed him in. Micah 6, 8 says, what do I require of you? He says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly. There, there is justice, but it's justice that's mixed with mercy and humility and looks vastly different. There is a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Judges. And I think it's a type and shadow of the way that God judges us. Because the judges, they were heroes. And every time the children of Israel got into a mess, the hero came and set them free. Come on. God isn't looking to destroy you. He's looking to destroy the thing that holds you captive. Come on. <laughs> and see, his grace, it's grace. And it sounds messy. And it sounds, it sounds too good to be true. But anytime that you talk about the grace of God, that's why in Romans chapter 6, Paul gets to the place where he says, can we continue in our sin? No. Of course not. But his grace sounds so good that it gets you to the place where you ask that question. But when you really encounter the grace of God, you get to a place where you no longer want to get away with things. You want to get as close to him as possible. And you want, John 15, if you love me, you'll obey me. And that's not like a, you know, a long, you know, 30 foot finger. I, I sat in the youth conferences where like it was hellfire and brimstone and I don't remember any love of God. And I, that long finger that pointed in my face and told me that I needed to repent or I was going to burn in hell or the rapture was going to come and I was going to be left behind. And, <laughs> and all it did was scare me. It scared me. But, but 
fear is not a good punishment. Fear, fear doesn't keep people right. Most people sitting in prisons today, do you know that, they are, that, that like 90% of them are second and third and fourth offenders? The fear of judgment did not make them righteous. It's the love of God that makes us righteous. It's the goodness and the kindness of God that draws us to himself and makes us want to leave our sin as far behind us as we can. Come on. Perfect love casts out fear because fear holds within it the fear of punishment. That's, what it, that's, what that's the fear that's talking about. It's like perfect love cast out like your fear of the dark. It's perfect love cast out the fear of punishment. Why? Because the punishment has been taken. Jesus absorbed the punishment on the cross. Oh, come on. <laughs> the system, a couple things. It's 8.03, I gotta be done. I'm gonna wrap up here. Jesus ends with the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the essence of God's grace. He rewards and blesses men according to his will and his pleasure, not necessarily according to what men deserve. The system of the law is easy to figure out. You get what you deserve. The system of grace is foreign to us because in the system of grace, God deals with us according to who he is, not according to who we are. The system of grace is God dealing with us according to who he is, not according to who we are. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been given the righteousness of Jesus. Under grace, we can't come to God complaining, don't I deserve better than this? <laughs> because God will reply, does this mean you really want me to give you what you deserve? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have so much more and we just don't have time. God pays us on a scale of grace, not on, not on the rate of merit. As God's workers, we must, we must watch our motives and be sure we are serving God because of our love for him and not because of a promised reward. Don't fall into entitlement. Don't fall into comparison. God gives each according to you know, what he will. And listen, here's what you've got to see. If, you've been, if he called you, in the, in the first hour of the day at 6 a.m., you've been saved for 30 or 40 years. Here's what you got that other people didn't get. You got time with him. Glory to God. You got time with him. And if they get, if they get more blessing and if they get a bigger reward, awesome. Because his grace is enough for me. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we're so grateful for your grace. Lord, help, help us tonight that we would see ourselves the way that you see us, that we would see that we have been given the robes of righteousness, that you have not, that you have not covered our sin, that you've taken away our sin, that you've washed us completely clean, and there's nothing that can separate us from your great love. And God, give us that heart for other people. Give us that heart for our lost loved ones. Give us that heart for this lost and dying world that we would go out and we would shine bright and we would tell them about the grace and the glory of God. May we be ones that go out and find those who are looking desperately for something and they don't know where to look and they don't know what to turn to. And they, but we, the church, we have the answer. We have the answer. It's the grace and the love of God that will set 
even the most dirty, wretched sinner completely free and change them into a new creation. God, we're so thankful that while we were orphans that you adopted us into your family. When we were enemies, we were runaway rebels that you sent your son Jesus and died for us on the cross cleansed us with your blood so that we could have a relationship with you and we can boldly come into your throne room of grace where even angels fear to tread. Father, we're so grateful to you. We're so thankful that you call us your children. Don't let us ever take that for granted, Lord. Stir up in our heart love and affection for you that you pour out on us. Stir stir it up in our heart love and affection for those that are around us, Lord. Help us to love each other the way that you love us. Teach us how to live in this kingdom how to walk in this kingdom. Don't let our eyes be evil because you're good. Don't let your goodness and your kindness be a stumbling block to us. Lord, show us how we can, sh- we can, we can gouge out that evil eye, that, that jealous, that envious, that covetous mindset, that we can get that out of us and we can put on, we, that we can now have the mind of Christ, that we now have a new heart and that we can rejoice when people come into the kingdom that we can celebrate when people come into the kingdom, that we can celebrate that people come in and see you and know you and experience your goodness and your love, your grace that sets us completely free. We love you, Jesus. We honor you tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.